black ball. Black 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 ball. up everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackballed okay <laughs> where do i start this is the second half of the what did i call it again my blackballed double header of tough ass women something like that anyways um we had lee aaron on at seven but my guest tonight at 907 instead of 8.30, sorry about that, is a person who I find extraordinarily fascinating because she has all of these well-rounded facets of her overall personality makeup and her professional makeup, um, kind of unlike anything I've, I've ever seen. I'm not trying to blow sunshine here, like, I, I, you know, because she's an advocate, but she's a lawyer. And recently her kind of, um, I guess you could say the advocacy side of a personality has collided with her professional side in a way that is far too complex for people who just aren't that bright. And what I mean by that is she has um, demonstrated to me when I listened to her speak with my, with me and with others, a sort of adherence to the rule of law and justice itself and that everybody deserves um to to have a, a shot at um you know defending themselves within our legal system if if they need to and what i really like about her and a lot of people that um i consider to be um people that i look up to intellectually is um the respect for nuance and the respect for principles over emotion while still maintaining what I think is um, a commitment to being uh, true to herself and to her profession. And I would like to welcome her to the show. Her name is Karima Sat. Karima. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for you? that generous introduction. Uh, no problem at all. I made it up off the top of my head. <laughs> I, um, I do that. I don't know. You should I, host I, a podcast or something. That was I good. know. I should. I'm like the Jay Z of podcast hosts. I don't have to write shit down. Sometimes it doesn't work. There's like once every once in a while. I'm like, oh, fuck. so sometimes when I had, well, like, um, I wrote notes for Chomsky, but for some guests, I just put little. Like my daughter has these little tiny post-it notes. They're like Smurf sized, <laughs> and I just like write down keywords, but not for you. Um, for you. I think I'm, I'm pretty well prepared. You've had an interesting day. Um, can we start where I think would make the most sense if you were just hearing all of this, uh, this saga, I guess, um, for the first time? And I would like to start at the Chris Sky event because I feel like that is sort of where the apex of progressive Karima uh, turned into progressives turning against Karima or I, I can do air quote with the progressive. What, I don't know what you want to label them if you want to at all. But do you know what I'm saying? Where the like, sure. uh, yeah, centrist and 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 moderate conservatives might call this a moment where um, 
the left are in a circling firing squad and they eat themselves and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So take us back to that event and what you think, um, if you think that, that that was sort of like the seeds to basically where you are today. Yeah, I, I absolutely do think that that's kind of the, the starting point. Um, it's since come to light that I was actually under some sort of surveillance prior to the Chris Guy event and prior to announcing that it was going to happen. Um, so I'm, I'm working on getting to the bottom of that. But for the majority of people um, who find me despicable because I am too cozy with the far right or, you know, platform or give space for their views or trample communities. I, I think that that's the genesis of that is the Chris Guy event. Um, and I mean, I disagree with all those characterizations. Uh, the approach that I have taken to engaging with people whose politics I do not endorse or support um, is discourse and it's discourse that isn't a, a debate per se where you know I'm taking your side and weighing it and treating it serious like it's just done in my fashion um, I think people you know the people who consume my content are mostly adults um, if I'm capable of hearing and entertaining a thought without accepting it I trust that others are as well. Um, so I think that this, this whole idea of, you know, you can't talk or listen, um, is, is actually quite harmful, uh, and it stifles progressive thought. Um, and, and I say that, you know, recognizing that there are absolutely limits on expression and speech. Um, and, you know, I, would have been mindful of that in an interview with Chris Guy. I am a professional question asker as a lawyer. So I feel like I would have been pretty well equipped to deal with it. Um, you know, and then related to that, the idea that I was parachuting him into some, you know, like a marginalized community. It, it, it leaves aside the fact that that is, my community, my backyard, my, in front of my store, like in, in this mall that is a commercial space that I had rented. And, you know, I had planned for the invited guests to attend. I expected that, you know, there would be some Chris Guy entourage who wouldn't have had seating, but I had like extra juice boxes and like the plan was to really just, okay, you can stay and watch the show from above, but like behave yourself. I had security for this purpose. What I didn't anticipate was a group of people um, who would show up with the intent of disrupting the event, preventing it from going forward, um, blockading the staircase, trapping people, their own people downstairs. Um, and then, crying foul when predictably Chris Guy tried to breach that barricade. Um, so, you know, I get lambasted for that, but the fact is the people who showed up, you know, I had no advance warning that that was going to happen and it, it, they don't have a monopoly on that space, community oriented or not. And, and 
so anyway, point being, sorry, I'm getting a little bit into the weeds in this, but that was kind of a flashpoint where, you know, oh, she takes it too far. Um, you know, she's just in this for insert selfish motive here. Um, and that became a very common refrain and it follows me to this day, but it, it boils down to a mischaracterization of events and the use of sort of, uh, buzzwords really um that trigger emotional response and people don't uh, understandably have the time or capacity to go digging and and look at all the primary sort of sources themselves it's just taking someone's word and and how they you know have have shaped the narrative around this and then repeating that uh until i'm apparently now like a bigoted white supremacist plant so maybe they just meant like an orchid you know (laughs) uh what's the the venus flytrap i think that's probably the most accurate yeah it's interesting because there um the impasse one of the impasses um impasses i don't know um is that there is a a a new orthodoxy uh, when i say new i don't know maybe a decade it's really kind of what i think would be flourished and it's inside that sort of like um, hodgepodge of things like, oh, we don't think debating is a good way to solve things because it's part of the like uh, structure of uh, colonialism. Or um, we think that we should be able to disrupt your event instead of you having the event because our free speech um, includes the fact that we think what you say is damaging or violent or whatever. And the interesting thing about that is it comes down to being almost like a free speech issue. And to your point, and we agree on this because we've talked about this before, I call it the search engine optimization uh, brain that we have where when, when certain people hear keywords, they just immediately are triggered into one direction only. And free speech has become sort of like the overarching term that turns certain progressives into immediate judgmental finger wagging people that, identify someone who uttered the phrase free speech as a Nazi, <laughs> you know, as a mega, like far right, rigid. It's fucking, so you know? short sighted that way of thinking, because, you know, the tides will turn. And if the, if we normalize the idea that y- you can't express certain ideas or, exchange thoughts like that's that's human progress so if you are stifling that um and you know it it there's there's a hypocrisy on the part of the right who claims to champion free speech but we we know that you know it's free speech for me not for thee um i i say we know just based on my experiences at the rallies which uh, the the anti-vax whatever COVID rallies. Um, Right. So I'm I'm generalizing freedom rallies. Freedom rallies. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) Everything is double speak, but right. So, so we know that, okay, we can't actually trust this group that are saying free speech because it's not actually like there are caveats to that. Um, So if the, the so-called, if the left is also, not really defending free speech. This is a net loss, I think. Um, and it's such a fundamental civil liberty 
Um, and, and honestly, not something that I thought much about before all of this fiasco landed in my lap. Um, and so my, my views on this have, have radicalized. Yeah, but you're like a radical centrist now almost. I wouldn't call myself a centrist. I, I, I think the whole, the spectrum of left, right, I think it's nonsense. Yeah. Me um, I just, I just and I say that radical because... centrist. Cause I think it's paradoxical. <laughs> so go ahead. No, it was a good joke. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but like the, the, the notion of the spectrum, it's just like, it does words barely have meaning. So I feel that these words are not words that I'm going to try to redefine or like, it's just, whatever i am what i am and you know i'm for people doing well having rights um you know having their material conditions met everything else is sort of gravy yeah um it's something that i think some of us who are actual actually like i'm a moderate i i would have to say i'm moderate i think gun to my head i probably lean leftish on most things but you know like i i i am one of those guys that like I, I used to talk about it a lot i don't talk about it now but the identity politics side of things made me be like oh my god these people are actually really irrational like i don't know what to say about this and then you get called a racist just for going like that and and it became then, then i just you know gave up in a way but um it touches on that because it's the same sort of um vibe like when the litmus test and there's going to be litmus tests sometimes that are legit and oftentimes they're not. But if the litmus test is that everything is the litmus test on the orthodoxy itself and you just have to fall in line with whatever that orthodoxy is. Oh, well, Jesus, like that is a very isolating way to be. And it's amazing how much they have in common now with their far right cousins. If we do label them like the fringes are they behaved exactly the same. They just have a diff different belief system in my opinion, you know? I, I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you're kind of describing the horseshoe theory, right? Where you get to the extremes yeah. and then there are similarities. And, and I would say the, the similarity that I encounter, like where I have strife, um, is a tendency toward authoritarianism um, in the sense of controlling the parameters of what is acceptable and anything beyond that needs to be silenced and squashed. Um, and, and obviously defining what is acceptable differs based on who you're speaking with, but the idea of silencing, that's a constant. And I, I experienced that on both the, the left and the right. I, I mean, it's one of those things where, um, like I was thinking today, and I think I tweeted someone this, but I feel like, uh, okay, so the Anti-Hate Network, Canadian Anti-Hate Network, Antifa, those are the two examples that I'll use. I think the right does it in how they speak about things like liberty and freedom. I guess this is the left version of liberty and freedom in a sense, but it's not words. It's this weird method where they're like, actually, I guess the right does it too. Anything that's like, um, like the Patriot Act is like this. Well, how can you be against patriotism? You know, like um, th <laughs> yeah, that kind sure. of thing. Yeah. So the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, someone actually argued today. It's like, you know, they're the Anti-Hate Network. What are you, pro-hate? <laughs> I was just like, oh, oh. 
and the same thing with anti-fascists. I hear that argument all the time. Like, dude, they're anti-fascists. What are you, pro-fascists? And it's like, stop hiding behind the literal definition of the name that you give yourself because there is a lot of um, hypocrisy embedded inside both those groups. The the Canadian, I found out a couple of days ago, um, ironically to many, through a post by Jonathan Kay, who um, shared what Bernie Farber, the president or the chairperson or whatever he is of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, makes like 40 grand to do 10, I believe it's one hour classes for, sorry, is it two hours? Uh, no, the invoice doesn't specify the length of the session. We okay. just know that it's 10 sessions, seven in seven virtual, three in person. Seven virtual. He, Bernie doesn't even have to wear pants, you know, and he's getting we paid. that in common at the moment. But the, the you know, um, <clears throat> what kind of rigorous, uh, like, you know, Bernie Farber's politically connected. So, you know, he's been around a long time. I'm sure there wasn't much of a competition for whatever job he got. And I don't know how they do their hiring, but it seems to be a cast. I'm very, imbeciles. I've actually, I've, yeah, I've reached out to inquire about the procurement process for that. Um, because $3,500 for a session, which is what it works out to, um, you know, there are university seven hours. courses that yeah. cost less than that, like full yeah. semester university courses. So I don't know kind of what is being taught or what is being paid for. Um, Why isn't it a volunteer funds. position? <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it seems um, completely counterintuitive to the idea of the organization itself. Like, well, th this invoice was in Bernie's name, so it didn't actually refer to the anti-hate network. So, fair enough. Fair you know, enough. is he like it, it's all very murky. Right. And and the op opaqueness is kind of part of the problem, um, because when you try to get transparency um, and that's what, you know, me asking questions is what led to today's ordeal. Um but yeah. there are lots of aspects that are just not clear, not transparent. Um, and, you know, I, I am inquisitive. Let's get to today. So um, can you can you set this up? Can you give me um, give me sort of like the idea of how all this culminated? And, uh, and, and like I'm not talking the big picture of Chris Guy stuff, but like the specific people involved, um, the the event that they were at today, they've been harassing you basically for a long time online. Um, and ironically today they're hosting a, um, what was it? Don't harass women online panel or something. Yeah, it was a, it was a panel about online harassment of female journalists. Um, and one of the panelists uh, was Erica Eiffel, um, who I was engaging with um, on Twitter for the past day or so. Um, she's, you know, come at me before. Um, and I don't have an issue with critique or criticism, um, but I do have a problem when people are disingenuous or misrepresent facts, um, are fast and loose with language that should be used with care. That's been a trend um, with Erica. Yesterday was... A little bit different because she went out of her way to initiate a pylon. Um, I was uncharacteristically um, 
private, like my account was locked yesterday. Um, and she obtained screenshots where I was referring to the panel that she was on, not um, in relation to her, though. Um, one of the panelists was supposed to be Hazel Woodrow of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. Um, and it was curious because on the flyer, um, you know, each of the panelists had their name and photo, except for them. Um, and there is another staff member, report researcher, I don't know, um, at the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, Elizabeth Simons, um, who similarly, um, you know, doesn't ever reveal an image. And both her and Hazel um, really only exist online uh, in relation to the Anti-Hate Network. Um, so they, they're kind of their online history dates back just a couple of years. Um, and, you know, I don't know. They both have used voices, female voices um, that sound different. So presumably there are real people attached to this and it may be real names um, and just excellent job at covering their internet tracks and existence and credentials and all of that. Um, but if it is pseudonyms, like that's, I, I think a little bit odd. Um, and so I... I Maybe they're no-show jobs. Remember, like in The Sopranos, when they wanted to like get the union contract and they were guaranteed no-show jobs, so they'd get paid even though they didn't have to go there. Could, could I might get cancelled, but I've actually I've never watched The Sopranos. <laughs> for, oh, I would for like. Fuck's sakes. <laughs> Karima. <laughs> I know you're I'm Italian. Just, I apologize. <laughs> I know that's your culture. Um, <laughs> it's really not. They would call me a manja cake. I'm half Italian, half Dutch. I can cook a mean fucking spaghetti sauce, and I could talk like this fucking guy here. But other than that, I'm, I'm not. You know, uh, I don't know. I'm arrogant. Um, however, let's. It's not about me. So um, I want to um, now bring us to today. Then, so so a campaign of harassment had been. Um, it's actually been months, hasn't it? It's been over a year. It. Yeah. it like really it started in July of 2021 um, and it's been pretty much daily nonstop since then. Most people don't really understand or appreciate that because I engage with about 2% of it. Um, and I'm talking, this is specifically um, animosity pylons, etc., that come from uh, the left side of the spectrum. Um, so that's been a year and however many months between July and November, I don't know. Um, and it, it ramped up, I would say, most recently, um, you know, beginning of November. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.
Yeah. So when people found out that you were representing Jeremy McKenzie, um, this was part of the, I think it was during my intro, um, when what I meant when I said that uh, your your professional life is colliding, um, you know, with with that the other side of your life, to some people, to me, um, you, uh, I've always thought that um, you presented yourself as a person who uh, shows an adherence to everyone's right to seek justice, and it reminded me of when Marie Hanin. Uh, started representing Gianco Meshi and you saw things online that were like, Oh, now you're carrying water for rapists or, and stuff like that. And it was so bad that um, seasoned bingo caller, Peter Mansbridge, um, you know, was interviewing Marie Hanin and actually like started pulling tweets as questions, which I thought right away was like, what the fuck, you know? Um, and one of the questions was like that, like, do you feel like you're letting down women, I'm paraphrasing, by representing Gianco Meshi? And Marie Hanin, who, by the way, I have, like, the world's biggest crush on because look at her. She was like, <laughs> like I, 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 yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. But, um, you know, uh, well, she's, she's the greatest thing ever because she's, like, super intellectual and super good at her job and super tough and obviously, you know, easy on james's eyes but the point is is that uh, i she looked at peter mansbridge like he was fucking just an idiot you know like like this man is dumb she, I, I don't remember what she said if someone remembers in the chats maybe you can remind us but it was something to the effect of like I, her face said this are you fucking kidding me with this shit like you know and her her words were basically that without the profanity and I don't understand. Okay, the, well, maybe I should ask you, what do you think it is that people, is it just like they're so committed to the orthodoxy and ideology that it just kind of wipes out that part of their brain that, you know, if you're, that can't process the idea of the equality that people are supposed to have in a society are rights and falling under the umbrella of rights would be like the right for to have a lawyer to represent you. Why is that, do you think, so difficult for some people to place in a separate like ecosystem altogether from values and ethics and advocacy? Well, I think there's two things. Like the first is that generally speaking, people don't appreciate constitutional rights until they need them, right? And it's often your you know, in trouble at that point. Um, so criminal law specifically, um, the idea of tough on crime, we need to be more forceful with our criminals, you know, we need to give more money to police and the crowns. Um, that all erodes civil rights and liberties, constitutional rights. Um, but like, people don't care because it's criminals and like they must have done something bad. Like this idea is very entrenched. Um, and, you know, until you yourself get arrested um, and are facing charge, like it just, it doesn't seem important until that point. Uh, and it's a, a real tendency to kind of mob mentality, if we can put it that way. Um, that's a real problem in criminal defense generally. Um and yeah, so there's that. And then the ideological sort of that layer on top of it, 
um, is even more polarizing. Uh, and, and that's the tendency, right? Polarized society, it's where we're at. Um, so the combination of those two effects, I think, um, is just, it's hard for people to swallow, to conceptualize, to understand. And like, that's not really my problem. Um, you know, so the world continues to turn, people will figure it out or not. And that just is what it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's too bad that you have to deal with that though, because there's a, um, there's just such an obvious lack of, and I don't want to sound like some sort of elitist or something, but just a lack of sophistication, but base level sophistication, like just, you know, um, the, it kind of tells me that I can't trust you if you don't understand the principle of, of everyone being able to, to have legal representation when they seek justice. Like that, that is a standalone item, like non-negotiable. So you can't call yourself anti-fascist if you don't believe in that. No? I, I, I mean, I, I agree in the sense that, of course, everyone, and it's not just that particular right to representation, but anything that pits the individual against the state, where the state is using its full might and resources, um, you... The playing field isn't level. From it's get, not. The it's not at all. And, and uh, like, it's really not because chronically underfunded legal aid, um, you know, a system that relies a lot on free labor on the part of defense or allows many people to just go unrepresented. Um, no, that's the landscape that we're dealing with. Um, but I, I was at a criminal lawyers conference this past weekend um and there you know one of the speaker was um a judge and and she was describing to, like criminal defense lawyers as kind of standing between the accused and you know the lynch mob the like the the, the state like the state and its resources um and and like that's kind of it that's the extent of the protections um so it's it's not glamorous or fun um and and it's you know part of my practice um i deal primarily with housing law and you know in this context like this isn't specific to any um client or situation this is just these ideas that are are difficult i think to grapple with and if it's sparking those kinds of conversations, great. Not all discourse is of equal value. And, uh, you know, you brought up Jan Gomeshi. Um, like even, you, you can't be unprincipled um, when it comes to the application of these rights. Otherwise that just, you know, undermines the system for everyone period. Um, and so it's fair to call out disparities and kind of inequities and so forth. Um, that's necessary work, but you can't just be dismissive of these rights. I hope that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I, I feel like there is a, I saw it happen in journalism uh, where 
I mean, it's it's been happening for a long time, but there was a sort of sense in journalism a long time ago that yeah, the reporters per, at a, on a personal level are probably fairly left, but I never thought um, until maybe like a certain time period that like I never noticed it in a way that I notice it now. Um, and I actually blame Fox News for it. So I feel like Fox News made it seem like there was a liberal media and it was only like half true because most of the members of the media were probably liberal, but the stories were just like, the government is doing shit. We should probably find out what it is. Like, you know, and, and whatever. And then Fox News came and it was completely slanted and it was like just through the conservative lens. And then the media started to do that themselves. And I would be kind of afraid if we lived in a society where, and maybe I'm really naive, uh, but where that happens to the law profession, you know, where it, where they would only want to get involved in cases that represent their ideology. In an adversarial system, like, and, and okay, so there's different ways to practice law, right? And, and there are lawyers who really do build their careers on finding a niche and, and maybe that niche aligns with their politics and then they go hard on that and kudos to them. Um, I like to challenge myself. Um, and, and I think that if everyone took the approach of I can only do, you know, what corresponds to my beliefs, um, the system as a whole is poorer as a result. Um, so that's, that's my stance on it. Um, and I'm reminded of, you know, Shakespeare in, oh gosh, I don't actually know what play it is. Um, but, you know, it, it's, what do we do? We kill the lawyers first. Um, and that's often quoted as like, ha ha ha, we're going to kill the lawyers because they're bad. But like the context is that, okay, we want to establish a tyranny. First thing we got to do is kill the lawyers because they're going to be sort of a wrench in this plan. Um, so it, 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 in that sense, you know, it's a profession that I'm so proud and privileged um, to be a part of. Um, that doesn't make it flawless and legal systems can be oppressive and working within the system trying to correct it is um, a Herculean task. So yeah. I am not naive about it, but it's the only system we presently have. And I don't know if it's me coming into like, you know, being an adult and just being aware of what's going on in, in the world, or if actually this is you know a hastened decline of democracy but that's what i'm observing and so the work that i do um, and the advocacy i do whether it's formal or informal or on twitter or through comics or just kind of all of it uh, is is with that in mind it was king henry the sixth and i think it was um paraphrased or, or parodied or whatever you want to call it in the simpsons where when lionel hutz is like can you imagine a world without lawyers and then everyone just <laughs> imagines people holding hands and rainbows right you're, you're a cultural encyclopedia yes i, thank I you. watched a lot of fucking television when, <laughs> when it was my babysitter um okay so let's fast forward to today then so all of this has been culminating on a big scale for all these various reasons um and uh you know it's been over a year 
it's kind of evolved. Uh, and and then today, um, you were going to that panel uh, to, to to and and from what I understand, before this last thing happened, you had already had tickets. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like precipitated by this. Did no, they find it wasn't a they- spite attendance at the panel. Uh, I was really going to the panel and then just killed a couple of birds with one stone. <laughs> um, so um, let's go. So so th- this was, had been culminating for a long time. I'm going to play the video now uh, because I think uh, I think people want to see sort of what happened. So you, you you're going to this panel anyways, but there's some like static beforehand. I'm going to I'm going to we're going to talk about I didn't screen sh- uh, shoot. I, I kind of hate um Twitter comments as content sometimes. I like videos and pics and stuff, but like comment I don't know. It makes me feel like I'm gossiping or something. <laughs> A lot of people were talking shit. Um and then Karima went to the panel and this is what <laughs> Yes. I was surprised by some of your insights during this panel. And wonder if maybe there's room for Sorry, can you this is an actually a public space. Parts of what you're saying. So, are you going to apply? I'm going to give you the no, we're good. Oh, no, but you're being served this letter. It's an opportunity for us to talk about your being served this letter. For what? The contents of the letter inside. It's a notice of libel. You guys talked about using legal recourse as a way to deal with harassment. You're harassing me now. Can somebody remove this person? This is not actually a public space, uh, so please leave. Yeah, sure. That gets you. Okay, thank you. I know both of you have your problems. I just don't think this is the right place to do this. This is the perfect place to do it. You're not actually entitled to film here. You're not entitled to film here. This is private property. We're going to head out. Thank you. No, I would like you to delete that filming, please. This is not private property and you're not entitled to film here. I would like you to delete that filming, please. This is not private property. You're not entitled to film here. Who would need to take the letter? I don't even know where to begin. Um, let's start with the person who thought it was like, was it, where was the, where was this located? This, this talk? Um, this was happening at um, the university, which has a new name and I think it's TMU, but I don't remember what it stands for. But it's not private property from what I understood. Um, I mean, okay. I mean, so universities are public private, like the actual, it may, but that individual hers. kept contradicting not her property. So they said it's property. not private property. It is private. I don't know. Um, there's no reasonable expectation of privacy in that building, um, to my estimation. So that looked that lady kind of read me. She had the vibe of the remember those, um, I guess they called them Karens that would like stop black joggers and be like, What are you doing? And he's like, I'm 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 just jogging. <laughs> she had that vibe. She was like, um, like any moment she would she would start dropping epithets or something, but which is funny because of where she was. The, the, my biggest takeaway from um, that video is when you said to her, you, uh, I think you said, you, 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 you know, you advocate for people taking legal recourses when they're uh, uh, harassed online. Well, good advice, because that's why I'm here. <laughs> that, you know, um, 
have you experienced since that took place today anybody contacting you that that has changed their tune or changed their mind at all or has it just made them double down have they quieted down most people i i would say um want to save face and so doubling down is part of that if you've already expressed especially if you've strongly expressed a particular position um, it's not easy to resile from that position and so i don't have any expectations in that regard uh, i did receive an email from someone who probably was concerned that they also might be served because of things they say online. Um, and it has eliminated the headache for me of uh, locating their address and sort of figuring that out. So I take that as a somewhat positive sign. Um, they and- accused you of getting um, right wingers to dox them and their friends. It's, it's just not true. Um, and, you know, their own stories are inconsistent, in ter- like amongst themselves. Um, it, what the do they idea- cite as evidence? They'll cite like, oh, she talked to this account who says that they talked to her and therefore blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's relying on inherently untrustworthy individuals after having built up this whole narrative that you know this is what's happening so very easy for someone to play into um but just for the record so you can like say it out loud like you've never asked anyone to to publicly release the private and personal information of other individuals no i have asked for assistance in identifying who operates certain accounts Um, where those accounts hide behind anonymity or, you know, ostensible anonymity um, to smear my real name. Because everything I do is with my face, with my name, and you, nobody has the entitlement to claim to be some kind of researcher. Therefore, I'm shielded from accountability for the words that I use. Um, so I take this very seriously. And so I, I have absolutely solicited, um, you know, just general assistance if anyone has tips on how to, you know, identify this person, etc. I've never posted that online. I've never encouraged anyone to post that online. Um, it's only ever a defensive mechanism, not proactively looking for accounts that I find problematic and let's get them. Uh, it's, you know, if it's the such end- a high threshold for slander in my, I, I, cause I let a lot of stuff go. Um, I'm, I'm maybe too sort of laid back in that sense. Um, it, it, you know, like if you're going to sort of live your online life and anonymous or off the grid, you, you, you shouldn't be able to lob grenades from that side of the fence and to the people who are public and out there not wearing a mask online. Um, you know, that's, that's like welching on a bed or something. Like, it's just really bad form. Um, and so I, I don't really... Con- doxing to me is when... like that, That's not doxing. That's like unmasking. 
You know, like you, you I, I, why do I, why do people have to, why do you have to give the other person the handicap or the benefit of being um, completely anonymous while they try to tear your life apart? Fuck you. <laughs> that's my perspective as well. And that's not the same as so-and-so lives at this address. Go get him. Yeah. Um, which is dangerous, but like the that whole, is the most the generous definition of doxing I've ever heard. The whole concept yeah. is new. Um, yeah. and, and like we used to have phone books, right? Like <laughs> you we used to have doxing phone books book, and like, Karima? oh, you that said, the, okay, that, I'm going to look at like, so the you know, the, this idea pages. that it's inherently oh. private information. And I was having this conversation with a friend the other day where the more that we live online and, you know, our, giving up privacy in so many respects with, with the amount of time that we spend online and our corporate overlords who are controlling the various apps that we are using and our devices, etc. Somehow, um, you know, there's a tightening onto privacy in the real sphere. We don't know our neighbors and, you know, I don't want anyone to know where I am. Like it's, it's the opposite of, of community. Um, and, and so I, I draw a distinction between um, publicly posting someone's information um, with a view towards having them harassed versus trying to ascertain who is the individual or individuals who are engaging in tortious or criminal behavior. Yeah. Um I uh, I enjoyed uh, toying with her a little bit today. I, I've given her a nickname. <laughs> so she wrote, uh, actually, you know what I should do? I should read it and then post it. What's her last name? Oh, it doesn't matter. We don't have to say her last name. So she wrote something that I, I personally found really weird. I just didn't understand it. So like, she's adjacent to anti-hate members. She's on a panel with them and, and other people sort of in that sphere. And she um, she apparently was getting a hard time from people. So she writes, white people in my mentions defending Karima tells me everything. Which that's... It, <laughs> if you sell pencils from a cup in Dundas Square, you might make a statement like that because nothing should be able to tell you everything. They're white and know no better. God, it's so demeaning. And want to tell a black woman who is more real on the anti-racism, anti-fascism front. Motherfucking casualty is real. It always bothers me when people assume that they know the motive of another person's words. And that this that comment speaks to what you pointed out earlier about how, you know, um, they'll just say things and set up these parameters. I have defined you. I know what you were thinking. I know why you said what you said. And even though we've never met, I know that you don't know any better. That to me is like pretty crazy. Um, and because she's adjacent, as you said, as well to the anti-hate network, I have dubbed her anti-hate <laughs> <laughs> because I think, you know, I don't have to add anything except a U um, and then take away an E. So it's really the same amount of letters, but she's anti-hate. Um, and and really, I'm kind of like I feel I feel a little bit sorry for her. And I don't mean that in a way where, like, I feel like she's, you know not worth anything or anything like that. I, I, you know, maybe she's a good person. Um, I have seen good people um, become, you know, uh, um, similar to their peers in certain subgroups. 
and often they're political subgroups. Uh, and I've seen it on the right and I've seen it on the left um, covering events and, and sort of like going to protests uh, when I was a bit younger. And, and I've seen this, I've seen how, how like, it's almost like a gentle mob mentality because it's not really physical, it, but it, the mentality is like, you just sort of take on this energy and the energy is like one of infallibility. It, it really comes off like that. You cannot criticize certain people or else you'll get labeled a white supremacist plant, um, which is patently absurd <laughs> that you're a white supremacist. Like, uh, like, do you go to skinhead meetings and, and they give you like envelopes of cash and you have your assignments? Like, what do they suppose? Imagine them in trying to unpack what it would look like. Like the life of Karima, the white supremacist plant. Like that would be a hilarious concept for a sitcom because I don't know how you'd pull it off. <laughs> really, it's I don't even like I can't even really take it seriously um, because it's so devoid of reason or logic, and it's just it's it's nonsense, right? Um, and then you know you see like. The, so that video, for example, has been characterized as violence. And if you, if you watched the same clip that I did, there was no violence. Um, you know, there was me trying to hand a letter. This would have been uneventful if she had accepted the letter, put it in her pocket and moved on. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't interrupt the show to do this. I didn't. Um, pose a question sort of under the guise of, of wanting to participate and, and target. Um, at the end of the session, there were students who wanted to speak with the panelists. I did not interfere with that. I waited for the room to mostly clear, but I'm not going to miss an opportunity, especially if it's not someone who's ordinarily resident in Toronto um, to deliver this. And it was quite a spectacle that they, that she'd put on yesterday. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm tired after a year and a half of being unfairly smeared and demeaned and denigrated and all of that. It's, it's over. So if someone wants to talk shit about me on the internet, you're going to meet me in real life and we're going to deal with this in court if what you've said is bad enough that it warrants it. So I'm sorry. That's not violence. That's not harassment. And, and just, in the way that those words are used and deployed, you know, think twice about when that same person is saying, you know, white supremacist plant. Okay, well, you thought that receiving a letter was harassment. So, yeah. And by the way, it would make a great origin story if you were a wrestler, you know? <laughs> she was once a white supremacist. Everyone's like waiting plant. or anticipating a heel turn that just isn't coming. Yeah, so, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I, I do what I want, and that's because everyone's mad no matter what. So mm -hmm. how, how am I going to dictate my choices? None of you live my life or pay my bills, or I'm not beholden to your expectations that are arbitrary and thrust upon me in this one-sided way because you don't even use your real name on the internet. Like, go fuck yourself, right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like, and, and, and maybe this is like um, how, uh, you know, I'm an alarmist in some ways because, because I, I, truth be told, I've been feeling this for 10 years, but 
I feel like these are these little seeds that we will one day remember in 25 years when the civil war begins. Um, and I know, I know that can sound ridiculous, but if I were to like sit there and be and have an assignment where it was like, you know, give me like, you know, a civil war story, but start when everything isn't like violent and, and dystopian. These are the kinds of stories that I would think of. I, I know it sounds strange, but these are the things that, and it's been happening for a while. And, and COVID really did something that I don't think people were expecting, which is that we were already pretty polarized. But to really sp like split us, it required a public health issue. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that worries me. I don't know if you share that, but. Yeah, I do. Um, and, and I think that it's not an inevitable outcome. Um, I think that if, if we continue to use, I think, shaming and fear and intimidation and like negative reinforcement to uh, uphold these, these orthodoxies, um, that, that, you know, and it's an inconsistent application um, that is not sustainable. Uh, and, and it cheapens the actual significant, like when, when it really matters, you can't distinguish this from that because she held the door open for that guy. Therefore she's a Nazi, right? Like we let doors slam in Nazis faces. Like it just, it, it's so absurd. Um, and, and the threshold for being characterized a Nazi is, seems to get lower and lower. Um, so that's not helpful or productive discourse. Um, you know, and, and I don't think that dehumanizing uh, our our political adversaries, and this also happens on both sides of you know this the spectrum. Um, dehumanizing is is also counterproductive. Um, if if our goal is to have a functioning society. Um, that doesn't happen by con like continuing to silo people, uh, and it's not a reasonable expectation that everyone holds the same moment. Otherwise, ostracized, and you know it's a group bonding activity to see who can pile on the hardest. Um, so I, I think that you know that that's not a that's not the course that I personally want to take, um, and to the extent that anyone tries to force me on that path, I reject it and, and we should all reject it. Um, but I can only obviously be responsible for my own actions. That's well said. And if I just can add one small thing that if you are going to heavily criticize somebody online, like do it with style. <laughs> <laughs> I really mean that. To which Pierre probably have said. <laughs> I'll never get tired of it. Kareem Asad, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We'll talk soon. I love her. I love that woman. How can you not like her? How can you not like her? Seriously. Um, you know, she's fearless and she adheres to principles and, um, 
seriously, guys, like if you have, if you're watching this right now and you are one of those people that honestly believes that the person that you just saw on your screen is a white supremacist plant or some sort of Nazi sympathizer or grifter or whatever, you just have it dead wrong. You're just wrong. It's okay. But you should be happy that you're wrong because this person is not the hateful person you think she is. It's it's ridiculous. And there are others that you just, you really just need to just check yourself. Um, You know, there's a profound hypocrisy among certain people where um, you, you are completely against certain types of actions unless you're the one committing those exact actions because you always have such a great reason to be hateful. And it's just not something that I think you should continue doing. Like it's time for everyone to grow up. I'm talking to you, anti-hate. Uh, we'll see you next time on Black Pulp. Thanks, everybody. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.